Welcome to the Contractor Success Forum. In this episode, we are doing the first of a two-part series on what a construction company is worth. In this show, part one, we're going to discuss the value of a business from the seller's perspective. So if you own or are thinking about running your own construction company and that's of interest to you, stick around and let's get into it. If you're new here, I'm Wade Carpenter with Carpenter Company CPAs and my co-host Stephen Brown with McDaniel Whitley Bonding and Insurance is back in the saddle and we are really glad you're back. I know you've been recovering a bit, but how are you doing? Doing good. I just had a surgery on my eye. It's okay. It's this one. If I squint a little bit, sorry about that. It's still healing up, but yeah, I'm good to go. I'm glad to be back, Wade. I've missed it and I've enjoyed your podcast without me, but I've missed it terribly. We missed having you, so glad you're here. What are we talking about today? Okay. In the introduction, you were talking about what's a construction company worth, and that's a two-part series. What's it worth from a seller's and a buyer's perspective? Now, the seller, the owner of the construction company, you're starting a company, you want to know what your company's worth. You want to sell a company, you want to know what it's worth. You want to retire and get out of business and let your employees or other family members take over the company. You want to know what it's worth. So that's the idea of what we were going to talk about is what is your company worth? And there's a lots of ways to evaluate it. And there's a lot of perceptions, but basically your company is your baby. You built it up from scratch. It's an emotional entity. You put a lot into it. You made a lot of sacrifices to get to where you are. And it's just hard work and keeping your nose to the grindstone. And in this situation, we were talking about just from an accounting of view, there's different traditional ways to value your construction company. And that's what we're going to delve into a little bit, Wade, is it's the different ways to evaluate your company, your perspective, and the understanding of, of what you need to focus on. Our second part is going to be a guest who has done both. He's been a buyer and a seller of a construction company. We're going to talk with him about what he's been through pros and cons, the wisdom that he's picked up over the years of doing business. Why don't we get started? Let's just say somebody's coming to you and you're their accountant and they say, what's my company worth? And would you just simply look at the first page where it says equity? That's one way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Earlier in my career, I started to go down the valuation path and I had done some of that. I've gotten away from it over the years, but there are generally speaking, eight different ways to value a company. Some are a multiple of revenue. Some may be a multiple of net profit. Some of it could be around cash flow. A lot of it could be, you know, asset-based approach. And a lot of times when a valuation company does these, they will take some of these different factors and they'll just marry them together. And there's a lot of things that go into it. And I don't think we're going to get into the weeds today. But I think what we really wanted to talk about was some of the main factors of what drives a company's worth in construction, because of those eight factors, a lot of them are not relevant to a construction company. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, there's two different valuation methods that they all fall into. One of them is more of an asset-based valuation where you've got Say a heavy equipment guy with asset base, they've got $100,000 excavators plus. A lot of that is tied to that equipment. And for those guys, the asset base approach may be relevant. 
versus the second version is more of a market-based approach where it may not be tied to equipment like a general contractor that subs everything out. They don't have a lot of equipment. So in general, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think it was interesting you tell me the story of a venture capitalist offering one of your clients to buy their business and they had come across a really good price. Your customer was happy, let his employees go right up into the closing where they changed the terms of everything and it was a no-go. So in that situation, you say, my business is worth what someone's willing to pay for it. That's all. But, you know, our point is, if you think about that separately, if I was going to buy my business, how valuable is it? So you can say, is my business producing enough profit? Is my business heavily in debt? Have I worked my way out of that? All these things bear into mind of what you should think of as the owner of a construction company to increase the value of your business because it produces better results for everyone if you think on it from that perspective. There's a lot of things that go into a construction company that a lot of different industries wouldn't see the reputation and client relationships. A lot of times construction can be bid work, Mm -hmm. but when you have a established customer that comes back time and time again, a lot of times retail, wholesale, they have repeat customers. A lot of times that doesn't happen. But they need something done and they know that you do it right and fast. They're going to call you. They're a good ongoing customer base. There's certain industries in town that call you for all their plant work. That's a good source. But also, if you're a subcontractor, you've got a general contractor that's going to use you first. They're going to use your numbers because they know they're going to be middle of the road, but they know you're going to be outstanding in performing your work. Like I said, the reputation can go a long way. Mm -hmm. Walking into a company, the backlog and what the pipeline you've got. If you're out of work and there's nothing coming behind it, that company probably could be valued less. Yeah, you got to evaluate the jobs in progress and look at the estimates and see if they're going to hold up after the sale. Yeah, is that gross profit going to continue yeah. on those jobs? Absolutely. And even so, what is your ability to put more work like that in the pipeline? Because it just can't stop while you're talking about buying and selling a business. I guess another factor would be if you've got a skilled workforce behind you, because a lot of times... The knowledge is baked into the owner's head, but if you got a team behind you that if that owner steps out, then it can continue, then that skilled workforce can be a factor in the valuation. Yeah. There's a tangible cost to getting quality employees. And keeping them. (laughs) And keeping them. That's right. You can measure that. And that's worth something if you don't have to do that when you're buying it. So your workforce is everything, what you've built up and their loyalty to the company. And what you continue to do for them to help them feed their families and retire. So there's also things like the market trends and the demand. I think me and you really stay more on the commercial side, Mm -hmm. but a lot of our listeners, if they're on the residential side, I think back to 2008 and there was a huge demand for these home builders, but after 2009, 10 for several years, there was no demand for home builders. Mm-hmm. So the valuation of the home builder went down. Yeah. You see that? In yeah. Some other it's definitely trendy. You can predict certain trades too, that are going to have more work depending on what's coming out 
in your municipality or in federal government work, you can definitely tell which trades are going to be worth more and where a buyer may be more interested in looking at that trade. For example, Wade, let's talk about, say, HVAC contractors. For a while, maybe it was 10 years ago or whatever, these clusters were going like crazy. These mergers buying up your local shops, and it wasn't venture capitalists, but that made sense to the bigger HVAC contractors just to be more of an entity. I guess that's coming back around because I've got a $6 million deal working right now. One of our companies that are buying up one here in Atlanta. Yeah. So you know what they're looking for. Yeah. They're one of your clients. You know what they're looking for. But from a seller's perspective, there are certain things, Wade, that are maybe psychological from a seller's perspective that might be holding up their objectivity as to what their company's worth. I know there's a lot of factors in here that we could talk about technology and the systems and having the accounting system or the project management systems mm -hmm. that can factor into it. But I agree. There's a lot of things from a seller's perspective. And I think that's really the focus of today. And I know you've got a couple of situations you're dealing with mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts from the seller's perspective you wanted to jump into? Some sellers, they're going to look at the asset-based evaluation and they're going to say, well, you know, I got a lot of old equipment or I don't have a lot of equipment. I rent a lot. I don't have a lot of assets for you to buy from. Then they might say a market valuation. There's a big demand for my type of trade and I've got a good crew and I know what I'm doing. So that's another way to look at it. I understand that. But also how you perform and your reputation, that's definitely worth something to a buyer. But of course you have to have that reputation and you have to prove that. But how do you value that? And we talked about looking at their backlog gross profit and saying, as a seller, I have all these projects in the work. And a buyer might say, yeah, but I don't do what you do. And I got to make sure they're finished and they're completed. So if it's a contractor that's buying another company that they know can do the same work that company can do, then it's worth more value to the buyer and the seller. So someone buying your company who does not have experience and established crew to finish your jobs would be on the downside because anybody that buys your company as a seller is going to look at the current profit and the future profit to drive the financing of it. So you may think as someone's selling their company, my company's worth all this, but think about the perspective of who's going to buy it. Why are you buying it? And what do you want to get out of it? And if you don't know them and they come out and throw a crazy number at you and they don't do what you do, then you need to know that financing is going to be so heavily tied to your performance over X number of years. So they're just buying your experience and abilities. I think from a owner's perspective, especially if they built it from the ground up and the blood, sweat and tears, and they get this emotional attachment to their company. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think that, perception can cloud their perspective that their company is worth more just because of the sentimental value and they know what they've put into this. Somebody, if they're buying it, they want to make sure they can recoup their investment. Mm -hmm. They really could care less how much blood, sweat, and tears you put in there. And that probably is hard for a lot of owners to hear that they really don't care what you what you had to go through to get there. Yeah, that they don't. They can't. Even if they're doing what you do for a living and they want a merge and a buy-in, they've done all you've done. 
they've got their own horror stories of nightmares, jobs and working around the clock and losing money on a specific job that just was a nightmare until it was completed. All the costs were charged and then they could move on. But I can tell you from a surety bonding standpoint, what a lot of surety underwriters look for is I've heard them call it before, like a Phoenix contractor, someone who's gone through really tough times and just um, strapped on their boots and built the company back up. So the Phoenix yeah. was the mythical bird that would burn and be reborn from its ashes. So that's where that nickname came from, Wade. And it, it is emotional when you've done that, it's emotional. And then when you have a bonding company, say you don't have enough net worth or working capital, they're like, what do I need you for? You need a bond, but you're thinking to yourself, I don't need you to do this project. I can do it in my sleep. I don't right. need your input. I don't need your criticism. And all, all that part of it, the sooner that goes, the better, because it's all about, it's all about working to get the job done for you, whatever it is, whether you're going to sell your company or whether you need a bond, it's about getting the job done and getting it worked out and making sure everybody's pulling with the same set of oars. So you're right, Wade, the psychological part of it is, can be overwhelming. Yep. Another factor I see is sellers, they overestimate what the earnings are going to be in the future. And maybe they've had a couple of good years where their revenue keeps going on up and maybe they got in this big project. But what I see too often is as that revenue goes up, that overhead goes up more than proportionally to what the revenue goes up. I could give you several huge examples over the years where they chase the big, the top line. We talk about it all the time on this podcast. Oh, it's an ongoing profit, thing. Yeah. The profit never follows, but in the owner's mind, their perception is like, Hey, we've got all this work. You're going to make all this profit. But if you're running the same operation, a seller is not going to walk in and see that you're going to be making more simply because you got more on the top line. You're right. You're at a family gathering and somebody's, hey, you come to doing good, man. Which it works right now. We're hoping yeah. we're planning on doing X million dollars of sales next year. Whoa. And that really doesn't mean anything. It's the profit that you make. That's the worth. But then again, while you're doing a job, you build up more worth in the company. Sometimes a construction project finances equipment. So there's an asset that can be sold. It's always adding extra materials and supplies to your stockpile that help out in little ways. So the bigger your company gets and the more tangible assets, it is something that's worth a lot to you for sure. And then you got to evaluate that to someone who's buying your company as well and make sure they understand the importance of it. Yep. Another thought I had on this was they really don't have an objective comparison. Maybe they're in a trade organization where obviously they become friends, they're competitors, but they're friends and they talk. And one company that is a lot bigger, maybe they were a $20 million company and they got X number of value multiple of the revenue. And my $5 million company that is poorly run, we should get that same multiple. So say that's worth $5 million, but it doesn't, they get this value in their head based on what other people have done, which may not be at all relevant because you're not comparing apples to apples. You know, I'm thinking about the insurance industry of which I'm a part of. It's a percentage of commission income and that's easily measured. 
but it's paid going forward. A lot of people selling their company anticipate just a big chunk of cash and a construction company or an insurance agent. It doesn't seem to work that way. Nope. I guess a couple other thoughts I had, we already touched on this, talking about the economy sours based on home building, let's just say, because people Mm -hmm. understand that. Right now, there's probably a lot of federal contracting, I think, with the Infrastructure Act, but other times, federal contracting is not as prevalent as it might be right now. Due to the market fluctuations or what people want, that can affect the value of your company. Absolutely. I can't imagine the stress of inflation and interest rates on the home construction industry. What a stressful business to be in when you're going all out and you're trying to get your organization going at maximum capacity, and then it stops. Right. On a federal standpoint, you've always got some infrastructure work that needs to be done by municipalities or by the federal government. There's always buildings that are going to get old, municipal buildings, federal buildings that get old and need to be torn down and replaced. There's always going to be water lines, electrical lines, natural gas lines fiber optic cables, everything else that run underground. Where there's a city, there's going to be drainage issues. There's going to be bridges. There's going to be asphalt paving. There's going to be concrete curbs and gutters. There's going to be electrical work. There's going to be lighting. It goes on and on. You got to maximize your position in whatever trade you're doing. And that's something that everybody's working to do. Let's speak into the choir. I think everybody knows that. Yeah. I also see others that think they probably command a similar multiple, but if they look at their statistics, their ratios, their KPIs, and compare them to their industry, a lot of times they're under the industry average. That may negatively impact the valuation. Maybe they do truly have a unique spin on, I've got one that was in the underground utility stuff and they had the patent on fire hydrants they felt like they had something that was worth more the perception out there nobody knew what this was they didn't see the value of this so it was not any higher valuation based on a comparable business mm-hmm. even though they felt like in their brain that it really was a difference sure that makes sense and You might say, you're not recognizing our value, Mr. Potential Buyer. It's not going to work. And then you want to find someone else that's going to come buy your company. Say you're the seller, the owner of the construction company, and you want to put it out on the market to sell it. Then you have to go through finding the right buyer that understands what makes you so special. So I guess, Wade, if we were talking about it, we say, what are the best practices of doing both, building up your asset market value, and then the other intangibles. Like you mentioned the patent. I did have a contractor once that had developed a patent on on a part to construction equipment. It was owned in the company name. It was an asset that was drawn in royalties. There's also the perception of the buyer of how much works out there. What is the potential of the company? Exactly where is it now? How much cash are you bringing in? How much profit, how much net income? Their first perception is, okay, if you're making a consistent 5% profit and your overhead's 5%, for example, I'm going to come in and cut that overhead at 2% because I'm bigger and that's what we do. 
that's our yep. key to making construction companies work is slashing overhead to nothing. So if you're generally making 10, 15% profit on your jobs and your overhead is seven, 8%, it's just not as, as big a deal. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I see that too. And unfortunately I've seen situations where, yeah, these big national companies that come in and they do have the infrastructure to keep that overhead low, but it can wreck the culture. Basically they gut the accounting department and the way they've been doing things and for every positive one. There's ones that go wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, another thought I had on this was from a seller perspective, a lot of owners underestimate the due diligence requirements of this. They get to a certain age and say, I can't be doing this much longer. L let me sell this thing and retire. And we preach that all the time. If you've never had really good books going in, doing due diligence, a buyer is going to want to know and have you be able to back up the numbers you have. So if you've only done a tax return and you pulled it together on a spreadsheet and taken it to H&R Block, that's not going to hold a lot of weight. You got to be ready for that buyer to come in and dig into your numbers. And if they yeah. can't prove it out, it's going to impact your valuation. It's going to be such a headache. It's going to cost so much to evaluate the business. The buyer's going to say, ah, no, we want a company that runs a company correctly. And they should have this and this, but I can tell you, you know, there's forensic accounting when there's a divorce involved and there's right. a family business, but forensic to me seems to be almost like a science from an accounting standpoint, you're digging into every number and you're verifying it. You're validating it. You're looking for things that smell funny that, you know, from experience, let's just talk about you're a buyer and you're looking at some projects that have lost a lot of money. And then the seller's not giving you an adequate explanation of what happened. Yeah, I know we were just discussing that before we started. Yeah. We have a situation like that. Yeah. And you got to have some answers. If you're selling your company, you got to have the answers. You got to know what they are, or then the buyer's going to figure out what the answers are and value the business based on their perception of what it is. It's not emotional. It's just facts. That's the way they see it when they're doing that evaluation. But I can also tell you that we talked about systems and places. We talked about the fact that if you buy an accounting software program, it's worth nothing. You bought it, you put it in your computer until you build it up and start using it and it starts working for you. And it starts working as a tool, like any other tool in the construction industry, it's worthless. So your systems and processes are worth something to a buyer. Also, it's good for you. You know, these are the kind of win-win things we were hoping to talk about in these next two podcasts, right? Yep. There's several other things that, that factor into it. And I'll just throw a couple out quick because I know we're getting long on this one, but I love talking about this stuff. Sometimes people overestimate the risk. And I know that's the business you're in, but maybe they are doing some things that potentially have some really big downfalls if something goes wrong. I remember I had a contractor that did grading, but they had a specialization in if you had to move a river or water, apparently mm -hmm. there's a lot of regulation around that. And there's a lot of things that can go wrong with it, even though it probably can command some serious premiums. It can also mm -hmm. be some serious risks. It can um, be very profitable. It's very risky. Yeah. But you know how to do it. Right. And that's based on the podcast that we did about the Rembrandt in your attic. 
the thing that really drives the worth of your company. And it's roughly tied into someone buying a house. After they buy the house, they find that there's a Rembrandt up in the attic. What is your Rembrandt as a construction company? Like you said, we've had customers have to do boring underneath the Tennessee River. And the first one's the toughest to bond, that's for sure. Yeah. Bonding underwriters, agents, they're, we're all standing on the bank of the river while yeah, they're explaining it to us. But that yeah. kind of There's expertise is worth sweating, it. right? <laughs> we're sweating bullets, but yeah. the expertise is there and that's worth something, of course. Right. And we know yeah. that. And that's something that you can't always tell a seller. And that's why it's so personal to you. But it also well, has a value. Absolutely. And that knowledge and those key personnel, I think that may be something we may be talking about in the next part of this. But obviously that having that trained workforce and following behind you mm -hmm. can impact that value as well. And if those people leave and those people leave, that can seriously... Are they happy? Yeah, exactly. Do they have family issues that you don't know about? Do they have drug right. or alcohol problems that you don't know about? Do they have gambling problems? Are they challenged by their work? Are they loyal to the company? Yeah. And that's where and maybe things to worry about. Yeah. A lot of things to worry about, but maybe tying them up so that, Hey, you're going to work through, if we sell this company, then you're going to stay or whatever. And giving them some kind of bonus structure to lock them mm -hmm. in can go a long way to help and secure a, a sale. That's right. I think there, there's a lot of other things we could talk about. We're getting a little long on this one. Any other final thoughts or things that you wanted to hit on this episode? No, just the most important thing that we talked about at the beginning. If you think about what your company's worth now, whether you're going to sell it or not, you're going to make it more valuable. There's a lot of things that make it valuable. And what makes it valuable to you is the most important thing right now. Doesn't matter what a seller thinks. But what makes it more valuable to you and a seller helps you do your business a little bit smarter, a little bit better. And you say? Absolutely. And take more home yeah. when you go to sell it. <laughs> I thought that went without saying, but then again, yeah. it doesn't. You've got all these employees that go home at the end of the day and you take care of them and they're happy. That's fulfilling. You've got a great reputation for what you do. And that's just not yours, but it's your entire staff. And all of you are proud of it and you all celebrate it together. And that's a wonderful thing. So that's what we're all about here, Wade, on the Contractor Success Forum. And also, I'm looking forward to our next podcast to hear from a buyer and a seller construction company and just talk about what they went through and what they looked for when they went to right. buy a company. Okay. Yeah. I hope our listeners enjoy it as much as we like talking about it. Yep. And okay. forgive me for the blinding flash of the obvious. Stephen, it's good to have you back. We're glad you're mm -hmm. healing up. And thank you all for listening to the Contractor Success Forum. If you're listening on a podcast engine somewhere, check out the show notes at our contractorsuccessforum.com or on our Carpenter CPA's YouTube channel for more information. Consider subscribing to the channel and follow us each week. We will look forward to seeing you on the next show. Thanks.